Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. This morning, I want to talk to you about something that's very important. In fact, it's our theme for the new year. It's our theme for 2019. But before I go into the theme, the title, the message, and all those things, I want to tell you, uh, most of you have heard about the Sistine Chapel. One of the most important places for the Catholic Church is the Sistine Chapel. It's the center of the papal activity where those individuals gather and they, they decide the next pope and It's not just any place. For those of you that have ever um, looked and followed and read a little bit about the Sistine Chapel, the architect's initial design was over 120 feet long and seven stories high. Michelangelo was asked to paint the ceiling between 1508 and 1512. That's four years of painting. Four years of painting. He laid on scaffolding most of the time on his back, painting the Sistine Chapel for four years. But what what some of us may not know here today is while we're looking at this magnificent piece of artwork, while we look at this incredible uh, artistry that had taken place uh, there, we don't realize one of those things, and that's this. Michelangelo, for those of you that don't know, Michelangelo resisted. In fact, he bordering on turned down the opportunity, but the Pope insisted, the Pope insisted that he would paint. And Michelangelo tried to convince uh, the Pope, and he said, listen, I'm a sculpture. To paint this is a little bit beneath me. To paint this and do this is a little bit beneath me. I have a different way, a different thing. And, and his painting themes that they were, he was offering, he said, listen, we want you to do God's creation, God's relationship with mankind, and mankind's fall from grace. Those are the three topics found in the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo long considered himself a sculptor, and he, he actually kept turning, kind of turning it down. He didn't want to do it. But Pope Julius insisted, and he then accepted this ended up being one of the most famous, not just for him, but one of the most famous bit of artwork mankind has ever witnessed. But it was almost passed up. It was almost passed up because he thought it was beneath him. My question to you this morning is, how many things that God laid before you that you thought maybe was above you or maybe was below you in one way or another didn't fit your scope of thinking because you thought either I'm inferior or, or in some way, shape, or form this thing is beneath me. Or maybe you thought I'm far superior. This isn't my thing. This is not my cup of tea. I wonder how many painted chapels, so to speak, died in 2018 because maybe you thought that wasn't for me here 
The Sistine Chapel was one of the most amazing things. I have never witnessed it with my own eyes. I've watched videos. I did research and things, but I've never seen it with my naked eye. I look forward to seeing it one day when we make a trip to Italy. So if anyone has um, uh, a desire to bless us with a trip to Italy, I am size Italy, seven days, uh, six nights. That's my size. But in all seriousness, how many paintings, how many Sistine chapels were forsaken in 2018 because you thought, maybe I'm not, that's not for me. You see, I want you to understand something. We often don't realize how much more we're made for. And I want to tell you this morning that the, the, the thief, who's the thief? Satan, the devil, Lucifer, whatever name you choose. He comes and John 10.10 10 tells us the thief comes only, only to steal and kill and destroy. And God says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I want to tell you something this morning. Our theme for the new year and our title for this message this morning is Made for More. Made for more. I believe there's not a single person in this room that was made for less. I believe everybody in this room was made for more than you could ever imagine or dream of. Because oftentimes we look at our gifts and our abilities and we think that somehow we are limited by those things. Did you know that God was the one that gave the gift and ability? But did you know that there's possibly, quite possibly, some more gifting and ability still lying dormant in your life right now? Did you realize that? That in your heart, in your soul, God has given you something that this year, that it could not happen in 2019 if you did not experience what you experienced in 2018. We look at 2018 and we look at all that we've been through, our lives individually, right? Some things as a church, as a body, we went through some things this year as a body. It's been difficult. Losing some of our own and things of that nature. We've, we've kind of been through some bumps in the road. And we think, why would God allow that? Raise your hand if you ever asked the question, why would God allow that to happen? Come on, be honest with me. Every hand should be raised because I think at some point in time, if we're honest with ourselves, we ask, why did God allow that? That doesn't always mean that we, um, we question God in a negative way, but we often can question why did God allow that? And that's okay. How I many know that's okay? You can ask that question. Why did God allow that? That's okay. Did you know that some of your greatest breakthroughs can only happen because God allowed that? He looks at it and he goes, they're going to be stronger because of this. They're going to be better because of this. They're going to be more diligent because of this. And we think to ourselves, God did this to me. But God says, I didn't do this to you but I allowed it to take place because you were made for more. Come on, somebody say, I'm made for more. Come on, if you believe with me, say, I'm made for more. I'm going to get it till I get 100%. I'm going to keep asking. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get everybody involved. People can often talk about how God is doing exceedingly abundantly. We look at Ephesians chapter 3, right? We look at Ephesians exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. How many ever heard that before? Right? And some of us take that to sports, things of that nature. Did you know that that doesn't just have to do with that? It means that there are things that you're about to go through 
that you need exceeding joy. You need exceeding strength. And so throughout scripture, we see God's people go through things and we think for a moment, man, this, God's promise is always good. Yes, it's always good. But that doesn't mean that everything you go through is good. Because sometimes the bad helps us to experience the good. And we can be prosperous, yet we can go through trials. <gasps> How is that even possible? How could I be blessed? How could I still experience God's blessings? And go through trials that doesn't make sense. Friend, I'm here to tell you, look at me. No matter how old you are in this room, I need you to hear my voice. I need you to know something. Everything you go through, God will use it for his glory. God doesn't let one trial you go through go to waste. Not a single one. That's good news. Nothing I've ever been through. Nothing that I experienced. Nothing is wasted. How many ever, how many ever had parents that uh, when you, are, uh, you say you're done... They're like, no, you're not. You still have a giant chunk of chicken over there. And if you're like uh, people that I know, uh, when they were little, how many have a little one that spreads the food out so it can look like less? Right? You say, okay, I, I'm going to try to, they try to spread it out. Look, look at this big gap here. I ate all that. If you push that all together, you barely ate anything. How many know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all had kids, you know what I'm talking about. They spread it out. They give it to the dog, whatever, right? And they're like, look, I ate it. No, you didn't. You just spread it out. If you push that back together, you realize you took two bites, right? We're kind of the same way in our, in our minds. We kind of think, God says, I have so much more for you. We're spreading out like, I'm good, I'm good, no problem, that's it. God's like, there's so much more for you there. How many realize that? There's so much more for you there. So much more. So God is trying to tell us that abundant life is not a result of our consequences and our things. See, the things that we're going through, sometimes they're consequences. If we're honest with ourselves, some of the things we go through are consequences of our decisions. We want to blame God. We want to say, God, you let this happen to me. No, your lack of prayer life made that happen to you a little bit. Right? That doesn't mean you don't pray. That just means you didn't ask for wisdom. You did it on your own. Then you ask God to bless your mess. I've been there. Testify. Three people testify with me. Three people. Four. Do I hear five? Do I hear seven? Do I hear seven? Do I hear nine? Okay, that was weird. Um, but you know what I'm talking about, right? We try to say, God bless this mess. I have a great idea. I just need you to bless it. God says that's not how it works. But we look at scripture and we realize that abundance how man sees is not abundance how God sees. So I want to share this with you here this morning because I believe you're made for more. Say, I'm made for more. The powerful passage in Hebrews 11 shows a hall, what many call the hall of faith, right? How many ever read Hebrews 11 and you're like, man, I wish I was like that person. I wish I believed like that person. I Did you know that they have struggles too? Did you know that they had faults, they had failures, they had shortcomings? They just made it because they endured it. Sometimes courage means sticking it out, even if you didn't understand the whole process. Sometimes it's just hanging in there long enough to be recognized. And I believe that there's some people in the Bible right now that you could read and they thought they weren't going to make it. They thought to themselves, I, I do not have what it takes 
to qualify as a contributor of the hall of faith. Do you think everybody in Hebrews 11 said, I can't wait to be in Paul's writing. Paul's going to write about me and people for generations and generations are going to know about me. No. The only reason they were written about is because they hung in there long enough and they stood and they realized they were made for more. Are you with me? Come on, if you don't agree with me, I'm going to preach longer. I, we will be here till the new year. Can I get one amen? Okay, I'll take that as a yes. So when I talk about being made for more, I'm not just talking about how God just wants you to be blessed. God wants to give you money. That's how it's kind of interpreted in this world, right? Prosperity and, and, and those things, when we talk about abundance and abundantly, live life abundantly, we kind of got stained by that, didn't we, as a church? And I believe that abundance is more than things. Friends, it's an attitude you carry every day of your life. You were made for more. Paul said, and he penned this, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so then he goes upon this particular thought. And then we go, great, so God wants to bless me. And then Matthew 5, 45 comes along and says, it rains on the just and the unjust. And you're like, oh, back to ground zero again. Right? It, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You know what that means? That stuff gets rough for the good and the bad. For those that are following me and those that are not. Stuff just happens because we're in this world. But the difference is we're not of it. So we're promised one thing when we follow Jesus for the new year. We're promised peace. Peace. It's, a, it's an incredible message that Paul talks about because in his letter to the church at Ephesus, he broke, he broke down Ephesians chapter 1 and two ideas. So if you turn with me to Ephesians 1, that's our main text this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, I want to teach a little bit this morning. I don't just want to preach. I want to preach, teach, and teach, preach. I'll do a little bit of both. Switching, switching. Because I realize that Paul begins this letter to the church at Ephesus. That is the book of Ephesians. He wrote to a church, not to a person. You realize that sometimes Paul was writing to like Timothy, right? He was writing to individuals. And, and when he wrote Ephesians, the letter, he wrote it to the entire church. So we as believers can read that today. We can read Ephesians and many chunks of the passage relate to us. Many portions of the text relate to us, right? So each of us in this place, we find ourselves reading Ephesians. And we realize I can adapt and I can take that and apply it to my own life. Ephesians chapter 1. The first uh, half of chapter 1 begins with the praise of Christ. Watch what it says, Ephesians 1.4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. In who? In church? In leadership? In life group? Bible study group? Support group? 
No. All of those things we're blessed by, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you find yourself in Christ today, you have access to more abundantly. Joy, peace, and all the things that God has for you. Watch this. Let's look for a moment at this. Christ has given us all the benefits of knowing him. How did he do that? He, he did that by adopting us into his kingdom. How many know that you weren't born into the kingdom? Let me make this real crystal clear. You were not born saved. You were not born children of God. You had to make a conscious decision because our sinful nature is jacked up. Somebody say, I'm all jacked up. Okay, some of y'all, some of y'all just need to admit that a little bit. You feel that relief, that tension? I'm all jacked up, so now I'm okay now. I, I, now I'm not the only one. You're in a room full of jacked up people that lost their way from day one. Yes, it happened. But somewhere along the line, you found Christ and you said, I want you to be my savior. And he has adopted you to be, you with me? Sons and daughters of the kingdom, of his own. You with me? Some people want to say, hey, listen, we're all children of God of us the trees the flowers the rocks the roses were all creation of God we are creation but that doesn't mean we're children of God children of God believe that he is who he says he is and he sent his son to die for us those are the people that are children of God that's not easy for me to preach, not easy for you to hear, but I'm not here to tell you something that will just make you feel better. I'm here to tell you something that will help your soul get through and realize you're made for more. Jesus didn't die so you can eat the scraps off of somebody else's plate. God made a plate just for you. And if it's anything like me, Puerto Rican plates are full of meat and food. And I'm telling you right now, some of you are getting hungry right now. It's okay. Just let it be. God has given you abundance, a plate full of blessing that's available to each of us today. Oh, what a shame if we were to take and start scraping that off the plate just so you could say you're done. Not this buddy right here. I love the holidays. I love it so much I can't button all my buttons. I can't if I stop breathing. I'm telling you, I, I joke about it, but I'm not, I'm not really saying something that's not true. You hear me? God has given you so much, and you were made for more. Stop settling and stop scraping stuff off the plate that God has given you. You were made for more. Somebody say, I'm made for more. So watch this. God has placed everything. If we look at um, what Paul says in chapter 1, verse 22, he says this. 
God placed all things under Jesus' feet. How many are glad that all the struggles of life and all the things that condemn you are under Jesus' feet? Look at me. Everything that stops you from hearing, following, and walking in Christ has been placed under His feet. You are made for more. You are made for more. He has placed it all under his feet. And I believe that we're seeing something happen. In the churches today, we have to realize that we have to become focused on Jesus. Focused on Jesus. And there has to be a deliberate effort. Because the world wants you to focus on you. The world wants you to focus on your problem, your circumstance, the things you don't have. And God says, focus on me and I will take care of you. Focus on me. I believe we're seeing a shift in American churches today. Many are realizing that we have moved church away from how God intended it. And and I'm encouraging you today, seek his presence. Seek his face in 2019. Do everything you didn't do in 2018. I dare you to do everything you said you would do in 2018 and 2019. No, I double dare you. I triple dog dare you to do everything you said you were going to do in 2018. What would happen if everybody in this room did exactly what they said they were going to do in 2018 right here in 2019? What would our church look like? What would our church look like? What would our ministries look like? What would our reach look like? What would our outreaches look like? We had some amazing outreaches this year, yes? You were blessed by something that we did as a church. Can I tell you something? That happened because somebody was obedient. What obedient step are you going to take in 2019 that will bring somebody else to Jesus? You realize that? That everything you go through is not just about you? That God wants to do something through you as well? And we don't see that, do we? Raise your hand if you're honest with yourself. You think, everything I go through, I think it's about me. Right? I think it's about me. I did something wrong. God wants to teach me something. Guess what? He may teach you something so you can teach somebody else something. And that's hard. How many realize that's hard? That's, that's very difficult. But I realize that we need to, what's, what some church leaders today call, we need to read Jesus our churches. Let me, let me go in a little deeper on that. We need to read Jesus, our churches. In other words, our focus has to become about Jesus. Anything that doesn't look like Jesus has to be dissected and evaluated. Right? Because time is short. We don't have time to kill. We don't have loose, loose, loose time. And as a church leader, it's easy for me to look at the things I'm going through and the things I'm doing, and make that be my relationship with Jesus. Did you realize that when you serve Jesus, whether it's here in the church, that's no substitute for your devotional life? I serve in the church every week. I'm faithful. I go to church every Sunday. I put money in the offering bag. I do that. You know, that's not, repla- that's not replacing your relationship with God. That should just be something that happens because you have a relationship with God. You can't substitute obedience with routine. Routine is not worship. When your heart is right, 
and you're following God's word, then yes, obedience, that's different. I'm not saying don't give, don't serve. I'm saying to you that if you just do without be, God is not accepting that as worship. So we need to read Jesus, our churches. Why? Because we offer worship without awe when we do that. When we decide to live for less, watch this. When we decide to live for less, for those of you taking notes, this is a good one right here. When we decide to live for less, not made for more, but live for less, we offer worship without awe. We offer prayers without faith. We offer service without joy. Welcome to freedom. I'm sorry, you're talking to me? You need to remind your face of what you just said right there. Just tell your face, welcome to freedom. You know what I'm talking about? I'm so excited about what God is doing in my life. I can hardly contain myself. So you need to pray a little more. Right? So when we offer service to God without joy, and when we offer suffering without perseverance, you know what? Lord, I will, I will go to the ends of the earth. I will suffer for you. And then we quit. How are you going to persevere? You offer suffering and you don't persevere. You don't hang in there. To the ends of the earth, Jesus. Oh, wait, what? They're coming for you? Hold up. <laughs> Isn't that what the disciples did? Peter's like, no, never. We won't allow that to happen. All of a sudden, rooster crows. And he had already denied him three times. When we decide to live for less, we worship without awe, we pray without faith, we, we do service without joy, and we suffer without perseverance. I'm telling you today, you're made for more than that. This year is going to be a year that you're going to realize what it means to be made by God, shaped by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, moving in the power of his Holy Spirit. That's what we want. How many want that in your life today? How many want that in your life today? Amen. See, only Jesus can fill everything in every way. Not our efforts, not our strategy. Jesus fills. And the Bible tells us that um, in, in verses 22 and 23 of chapter 1, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Did you know that God wants to fill you? Did you know that God wants to empower you? But we say, you know what? I just want to go to church. I just want to be a good person. That's great. But did you know you were made for more? You were made for more. And I want, you, I want you to understand that. I want you to express that in your worship. God, I realize I can do a lot of things right now, but right now I'm just going to worship you in awe. I'm not going to worry about the game. I'm not going to worry about lunch this afternoon. I'm not going to worry about this week at work. If you're honest, like I'm going to be honest right now, there's things, there's times I've robbed God of worship in this very room because I was thinking about the next thing. I'm not going to get a lot of testify, but that's okay. We've all, in one way, shape, or form, have sang a song and forgot what we were singing. And worse off, we forgot who we're singing to. We worship without awe. I'm telling you right now, Paul reminds us, watch this, that the church 
is and isn't. Here's what, here's what he says. The church is a body, not a building. The church is an identity, not an activity. We have great activities. We do wonderful. We put, I believe, a little biased, I believe we put together great events. We really do as a church. But that's not what makes us impactful. What makes us impactful is that we're a body that listens to other people. If we do a great event and nobody talks to each other, we failed. If we do a great event and somebody that walks in is not greeted, connected, or feels the love of God, and they walk out the same way they came in, look at me, we fail. Because the church is not a building, it's a body. It's you, it's me, it's walking in obedience, and we realize that we have an identity, not an activity to represent. You with me? We have an identity in Christ. So watch this. I don't have three points for you, but I want to share a few thoughts with you here today. Paul's Christology, now watch this. Paul's Christology, which is a study of Christ, shapes his ecclesiology, which means a study of the churches. Now watch this. Listen, this is, this is something that came to me this week that blew my mind, absolutely blew my mind. Paul's Christology, that means the way he sees Christ, that shaped the way he saw church. The problem is in America today, we often shape our God by how we see church. And that, my friend, is dangerous. When our Christology shapes our ecclesiology, we're in good shape. But when our study of the church determines that we got to have more coffee and less Christ, nothing wrong with coffee, but when we look at the church and we go, this is the model. They grew to 1,000 people, 2,000 people because they had this type of coffee. Now we need that coffee because the study of ecclesiology tells me this is what Christ is honored by. There's a problem. Our study of Christ should tell us this is how the church should function. You follow me? Love God, love people. Love God, love people. You know how you, you do more? You love God and you love people. You know how you change the world? You love God and you love people. But the moment, uh, the way we see church affects how we see Christ, we reversed it and then we got ourselves a problem. How we see Christ will affect how we do church. But if we allow how we see church to affect how we see Christ, there's a problem. You were made for more. Say it, I'm made for more. Have you ever embraced the truth that the church is the primary way that God informs the world of his salvation? Have you noticed how angry the world is at the church? You could say anything about any religion, right? And people don't get upset. You mention Jesus Christ, people flip their wigs. Come on, somebody. Right? They lose their minds. Then again, you, could, you can't talk about other religions because it's offensive. But you talk about Jesus and people are like, hey, get over it. The world is hostile to Jesus. You know why? 
because some churches have taken their ecclesiology and have shaped their God to look like their church. We need to read Jesus. We need to refocus. And 2019 is where we're doing that. But we're saying I'm made for more. I cannot allow the way I see church, the way I see things to change how I see Christ. This word right here is what helps me see what is important and what we need to do as a church. And as your pastor, I look at this and I go, God, what is it that I'm doing here? Or rather, what is in here that I'm doing here? Because I need to match that. I need to fellowship. We need to pray. We need to seek God. We need to do those things together, right? But when it becomes about an activity or a building, we missed it. Church, when Christ comes back, he's not going to ask you how big your building was. He's not. He could care less. He's not going to ask you how much, how much uh, we raised in this, that, and then the other. You know what he's going to say? How obedient were you to me? So Ephesians 1 is amazing, and it's so amazing that I didn't have three points, but I have 10 quick things that allow us to be made for more. Watch this, 10 things. In what way were we made for more? According to Ephesians 1, here's what God has given us. But here it is, number one, we're blessed with every heavenly blessing, chapter 1, verse 3. Two, chose us in him before the foundation of the world. God says, listen, you were made for more because he chose you. Before the foundation of the world. Number three, we adopted to be his sons. Number four, he's lavished grace on us through Jesus Christ. Verse six. Redemption and forgiveness through his blood. Verse seven. Every verse has something that he says. It's amazing. As I looked at this and as I studied it here in Ephesians 1, I'm going, this is, this is just full, full of what God wants us to know. He wants us to know that we're blessed in heavenly blessings. We're chosen him. We're adopted by him. We're lavished grace upon us, right? Then he says, you have redemption and forgiveness. Then number six, wisdom and understanding in verse eight, available to us, to you. I'm talking to you, you. And then we were made known. In other words, he's made his will known to each of us. You know, you don't have to walk around going, what is the will of God? You can pray and God can and will answer. You don't have to walk around with question marks. Now, do we? Yes, we do. I've done that. But eventually you keep seeking him. He'll give you an answer. Number eight, watch this. You receive inheritance. God has not left you high and dry. God has given you an inheritance. Number nine, we're sealed with the promise of his Holy Spirit. How many know that we're not alone? We have a comforter, right? But not only that, I love the last one in verse 14. The Holy Spirit is a down payment for your life. I love that. I read that and I'm like, what does that mean? So I looked, I started studying it and I realized that the down payment found in verse 14 says that it's a validating signature of his promise that God has invested and is investing in you. The Holy Spirit's down payment, when he says the Holy Spirit is your down payment, you know what he's saying? I'm invested in you. This is my validating signature that you are more important and you are made for more. He validated you by his Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? That the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that hovered over the face of the waters in Genesis is the same spirit that was put in you 
as a down payment to tell you how much you're worth. You are made for more. You are made for more. Oh, that's good stuff, man. I'm going to take it for myself. If you don't, I'll take yours too. Because I don't know about you, but I'm made for more. Listen, you are so important and vital to God's work that he gave you his Holy Spirit as a down payment. How many ever put a down payment on a car, a home, or something of value? How many ever said, ah, that down payment's not a big deal. I can walk away from it. You probably thought, I'll see what I can do about getting that back if it doesn't work, right? See what I can do about How many were like, ah, down payment, not a big deal? No, most of us, down payment's a big deal, right? Especially if you're buying a home. You know what they encourage, like, well, 20% down kind of thing, so you don't have to pay, you know, fees or whatever. And so 20% of a home, that's a big deal, right? Most of us don't just walk away from that. Guess what? God says you are so valuable, so vital, so made for more that I'm not putting money down. I'm putting my Holy Spirit in you because you're made for more. You're made for more. Come on, somebody. You realize that? And I want you to realize that in 2019, the presence of the Holy Spirit in us demonstrates the genuine value of our faith. So watch this. How do we get a made-for-more attitude? I'm going to close with this thought. Here it is. You ready? Here's how Paul settles the remedy of how to live made-for-more. Watch this. Number one, if you look at verse 17, look at verse 17 with me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He says this, I'm going to ask God and I'm going to pray that God will give you wisdom. So Paul's telling him, listen, you're made-for-more. Let me, let, me let me pray this on you. You want to know how to pray for more? You want to know how to pray in 2019? Here's how you do it. Number one, ask for wisdom. How many can use wisdom? Raise your hand. Right? This will help you walk in clarity. If there's anyone that thinks like me, there are times that I walk and I'm like, God, I'm still a little foggy as to what is happening right now. I need your wisdom. I need your clarity. Number two, look up at the screen with me for a moment. Pray for your heart to be flooded with light. Verse 18, Paul says, I'm going to pray, not just for God to give you wisdom, but here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for your heart to be flooded with light. Light does what? Light dispenses. It pushes away darkness, right? It does not allow it to exist, right? And what does it do? It unveils what is truly there. Light exposes what is hidden. Right? So he says, I'm going to pray for your heart to be flooded with light, to interpret and understand the future. And the third thing he says this, Paul says this in verse 19. Look at this, 17, 18, and 19. I didn't, like, I didn't make this up. This is right there. And here's the third thing. He says, I'm going to pray that you understand the power of Christ. Now, everyone look at me for a moment. There are some that walked in here this morning, you don't understand the power of Christ in your life. You understand a great service, you understand goosebumps in a, ser- in a service. But you don't understand the power of God yet. Some of you do. Many of you do. But some of you still have yet to experience that power. I'm going to pray in 2019 for you. And here's my prayer for you. The same prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. He said this, I'm going to ask for wisdom. And for you, I'm going to ask for wisdom. God, give them wisdom. Amen? 
How many could use some wisdom? Raise your hand. I just need to know who I'm going to pray wisdom for. Okay. Okay. All right, good. I double dose. How many don't want double portion? Two hands. Some of you are like... There's people like jumping. Pick me. Double portion. How many want... How many want your light, the light of Jesus Christ to flood your life so you can see what you can't see with your, with your natural eye? Yeah? You want that, right? You want that? That's why you stop praying me that you'll be made for more. Lord, let me be made for more. Here's the third thing. I'm going to pray that you'd understand the power of Christ. How many want to understand the power of Christ? Listen, these are the things. You want to know what I'm praying for you for for 2019? These are the things I'm praying. You say, Pastor Tony, pray that I get a job. I will. But I'm going to pray all these things so that you don't stop yourself from getting a job. But pray for my marriage. I am. But I'm going to pray these things so you don't wreck it. Right? Pastor Tony, don't be so candid about this. I'm being serious right now. I need help. I know. Because we need the light of Jesus Christ. We need the power of Christ. Friend, you were made for more. And that's what I'm going to pray for you for this year. How many realize you were made for more? Amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we were made for so much more. I pray, God, today for every person at the sound of my voice. That you would give them an understanding, clarity, light, and power. Lord, I pray. That the joy of the new year will come upon them today. Lord God, and while we put away 2018 and follow it away, God, that we would not forsake the opportunity to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to say one thing before we close here today. For some of you that don't know it, look at me. For some of you that don't know it, Michelangelo didn't paint the Sistine Chapel by himself. He didn't. He did the primary painting. He did the outlining. And the, but it's been said that there were several people that he brought in that helped him fill in the blanks. See, some of you, we only recognize Michelangelo, don't we? If you had to go deep and search and research, and I had the names, and I don't have them, you know, right here, right now, but I, I looked at the names, I'm going, wow, all these people were never recognized. Because it was Michelangelo that was made for that moment. He was asked, he was the one that was supposed to say yes. And they were fillers. You know why those people aren't mentioned as quickly? Because they were fillers. They weren't the main thing. Stop making people in your life that are fillers the main thing God has called you to paint your chapel he has brought people alongside you to help fill in the blanks don't make them don't make them the main the main attraction God has called you to do it guess what the church we need each other you can't do some of the things God has called you to do without other people in this room I can't do what God has called me to do without other people in this room. I know that. You were made for more. And Michelangelo called these people in 
They filled in the blank. They brought in the plaster. They did different things. Four years, the man was on his back painting for a large portion of that. Four years of painting and painting and painting. Don't forsake your chapel because you think I'm not good enough or that's too, that's below me. Either one of those are bad. Amen. Stand with me all across this room. Would you do that right now?